Hello, I'm Peter Van Dusen, and this is the Primetime Politics Podcast. Tonight, Canada faces a COVID crunch. The Prime Minister calls on Canadians to step up now to stop the spread of the virus. On a day when Ottawa releases data suggesting Canada's headed for at least 20,000 infections a day by the end of the year, 60,000 a day if we increase our number of contacts over the holidays. Our panel of MPs will be in to discuss what more Canada can do and why we can't get an answer about how many doses Ottawa's expecting of those two promising vaccines. And our journalist panel looks at how the pandemic's playing out politically in Ottawa and in the provinces. But we start with that message from the Prime Minister. Justin Trudeau returned to his tradition of addressing Canadians from in front of his home at Rideau Cottage, which had become a daily routine during the first wave of the pandemic. He called on Canadians to limit their travel and contacts as the holiday season approaches. He also responded to a request this week from BC Premier John Horgan that he do more to discourage Canadians from traveling between provinces. Justin Trudeau said he can do that, but he won't invoke the federal powers such as the Emergency Act. I think the idea of bringing in the Federal Emergencies Act to uh, shut down the borders and uh, guard those interprovincial borders um, is not an idea I am even contemplating right now. Uh, I know that uh, there are certain regions who have made decisions uh, to protect and to close their own borders. The Atlantic bubble certainly didn't happen uh, because the federal government mandated it. Uh, the provinces in the Atlantic stepped up and uh, limited travel uh, in their bubble, and it has worked very, very well. But they didn't need permission or direction from the federal government to do it. They just did what worked for them. Our northern territories have regularly brought in restrictions to protect themselves as well. Provinces have lots of tools at their disposal, uh, and I'm not looking to bring in a federal, uh, federal hammer uh, to try and do things uh, when we've seen provinces uh, be very effective at doing them themselves. The Prime Minister speaking from Rideau Cottage. Now at the federal COVID briefing, Health Minister Patty Haidu was also asked if she could confirm assertions by Ontario, Saskatchewan and Alberta's health ministers and from Ontario Premier Doug Ford that Canada will be receiving 6 million doses of those two promising vaccines from Pfizer and Moderna by the end of, the, uh, end of March. Here's what she had to say. Uh, the point of... Uh a disagreement is the number of doses that the provinces and territories are projecting to get themselves. And again, I'll repeat, uh, we will be working out and are working out with the provinces and territories a sharing agreement on the number of doses each province and territory can expect to receive when those vaccines arrive in Canada. There are a number of steps to continue to go through uh, to receive those doses on Canadian soil, including uh, the regulatory reviews, which are underway, by the way, right now for Pfizer and Moderna. And as we work through the agreement with provinces and territories on how we will share those doses, we'll come back to Canadians and be very clear and transparent. To look at where we are in this ever-intensifying second wave of the pandemic, I'm joined now by three MPs from the different parties. Arif Arani is a parliamentary secretary, and he's the Liberal MP for the Toronto riding of Parkdale High Park. John Barlow is a member of, Com is a member of the Commons Health Committee. He's a Conservative MP for the Alberta riding of Foothills. And Don Davies is his party's health critic and the MP for Vancouver Kingsway. All three of you, thanks for joining us. 
Thank you. Uh, Arif Arani, I want to start with something. It came up again today, but it came up yesterday as well. The health minister was asked, the prime minister was asked, we've heard from the health minister of Ontario, from the premier of Ontario, from the health minister of Alberta, that they've been told by federal officials that to expect uh, a total of six million doses of vaccines to be delivered to Canada uh, by the end of March. They've been told that. And the minister was again asked, Patty Heidi was again asked today, uh, whether that she could confirm or deny that, that figure because people are trying to make plans and she wouldn't do it. Why won't she ask, answer that question about how many vaccines we are expecting for that date in that time frame? Well, I think we've been we've been quite clear about what we're doing with respect to vaccine procurement. Uh, it's obvious uh, it should be obvious to Canadians that there is 400 million doses in total that have been procured from seven different uh, companies. That was informed by the COVID Expert Advisory Committee on vaccines. They instructed us about which vaccines look promising. We preemptively invested in seven of those vaccines. So there are many, many doses that are being made available. The actual accuracy as to which ones would be coming in and on what timeline, is very much contingent upon the actual approvals that will be made. All of these promising news that people are hearing about Moderna, Pfizer, et cetera, are indeed promising, but the approvals haven't been done, not in the United States and specifically not by Health Canada. But I guess the question is, if, uh, if federal officials, I mean, we have, Don, we have, we have Doug Ford, the, the Premier of Ontario, if federal officials are actually telling provinces, here's the overall number, we don't even have to get into the division and the splitting it up and the proportioning it out, but here's the overall number we're expecting by March, why can't she just confirm that? Well, I think because the number is in so much flux, in fairness, Martin. So the number, when I said this 400 million procured, for example, if some of the if the vaccines that are approved require multiple doses, you would need 70 million doses for 35 million Canadians, for example. So we have already invested in seven uh, vaccines. We are making sure that when the time comes when a vaccine is approved internationally and approved here, we will make sure Canadians are ready and we'll get it to all Canadians, including to all of the provinces that are asking for it. Okay, John Barlow, what do you make of this? I know the Health Committee has been asking about vaccines and all that. Um, some premiers are going, and some of their officials and ministers are going ahead with the briefings they've been getting from federal uh, federal bureaucrats. Uh, should they be doing that, or are they playing politics? Maybe. Well, I, I think. Uh to my colleague's point, I think they've been every, anything but clear. Uh, we shouldn't be hearing these numbers from provincial health ministers or provincial premiers uh, when we don't even know as parliamentarians what these numbers are, and we certainly haven't been told this at, at the health committee. I think Canadians are becoming very frustrated with all these mixed messages uh, when the provinces are saying pretty pretty uh, diligently on, on what numbers they expect in terms of vaccines, uh, but the federal government, the health minister, and the prime minister for that matter have been uh, have not been transparent on this at all, have been dodging this question. Uh, we don't know how many uh, vaccines are available. We've heard now I'm hearing 40, 400 million. I've heard 20. I've heard six. I've heard two. We don't know how it's going to be delivered, how it's going to be distributed, the logistics behind it, the infrastructure behind um, distributing th those vaccines. Canadians need a clear answer and a clear strategy to when this vaccine is going to be available, how many is going to be available, who is going to get it, how it's going to be distributed, Who's going to pay for the infrastructure to store this vaccine? We have none of that. Uh, and uh, when we see this, the second wave that is now upon us, um, certainly there's there's good news and there's hope that the vaccine is is uh, on the horizon. 
But through this entire process, the, the mixed messages and the lack of communication that we've had from the federal government is, is frustrating not only us as parliamentarians, but certainly Canadians as well. Okay, Don Davies, I'm going to ask you, because I know at the Health Committee you have asked several times many questions about the vaccines, but I'm asking you specifically, how do you understand what we've just seen over the last two days? This strange phenomena where provincial ministers are giving numbers and talking about their, ho- their hoped-for proportion of distribution, and the federal government is saying, look, you're hold your horses, don't count your chickens before they're hatched. How do you understand it all? Well, it's extremely puzzling. Uh, You know, we did have uh, uh, the Ontario Health Minister come out and be extremely specific. You know, she said she was going to get 6 million doses, 4 million from Pfizer, 2 million from Moderna. She even split up how those doses would be distributed in Ontario and the rest of the country. And yet we're not hearing any uh, specific figures from our federal health minister. Um, And in fact, I don't even hear a credible explanation from the health minister as to as to what's going on here you know is the Ontario health minister making up numbers um, you know does she have information we don't and I agree completely with what John just said look um, the Canadian public deserves answers and the the best antidote to confusion and fear is transparency and details we have the um, the US Center for Disease Control uh, in in the, the country just south of us has announced that uh, they have all states ready for vaccine distribution effective November 15th. They are ready for 24-hour distribution once a vaccine is available. Um, and uh, we also are hearing troubling reports that despite these like large numbers and bland assurances from the Liberals that we're just doing such a great job, we don't know when Canada is going to get access to this, these vaccines and how solid these contracts are. Many of these contracts say that we can purchase up to a certain amount. And we're hearing reports even from Pfizer that we're getting uh, access to doses after the U.S. and the U.K. So I think it's time for the federal government to come clean, uh, come out with a plan, tell Canadians what the, the, um, the, how the distribution is going to be on vaccines, how many we've actually procured, who's going to be distributing it, in what order, et cetera. And, and that is desperately needed now, particularly with these modeling numbers that have come out today that are, are, so, actually, are so scary. Um, Arif Arani, um, let's get to the, the numbers today. And then the, one of the reasons we're talking, the Prime Minister and the Public Health Agency have shown these projections to the Canadian people. They are very, very sobering. Um, what do you say to people who take from that and then they say, well, if the situation is so dire, if things look very, very worrisome, to say the least, uh, is the federal government doing enough? The Prime Minister said he's not going to invoke, for example, the Emergencies Act, but could Ottawa be doing more? So I'd say that we've been here from the start in terms of addressing the needs of individual Canadians, their health care needs, their economic needs. We've been there for the provinces. We've been there for businesses. We will continue to be there. And the spending that we put on the table, $230 billion-odd dollars, demonstrates that. I think what I say when I hear those numbers, and they were sobering, when I heard the Prime Minister, it was concerning, uh, is that we have to make sure that we treat this with the same level of severity, the same level of conscientiousness and approach as Canadians, as we did back in March, April, and May, when Canadians showed incredible resilience. When he, talk, when he spoke about healthcare workers, that really resonated with me. My wife is one of those frontline workers. But I think what's also important as it relates to what we were previously discussing about vaccines is that A vaccine gives people hope, but the best antidote we have right now until a vaccine is approved and available in this country 
is for people to change their behavior, which means limiting gatherings, observing spacing, washing their hands, wearing masks, downloading apps, etc. That remains public health imperative number one, and that's the message that really needs to sink in, which is what I would want to communicate to Canadians right now. Okay, John Barlow, you're from Alberta, and I was looking at the public opinion polling this, this week, and Alberta is the only province where the majority, clear majority of Albertans aren't pleased, say they're dissatisfied with the way the provincial government has been handling the pandemic, and especially in terms of measures to try and contain the growth that you're seeing in your province. Would you be in favor of the, of the federal government becoming more involved in some way in Alberta? No, I think that the provinces have to make uh, those decisions on their own and what's best for their, their constituents. That That is the, the jurisdiction that the provinces have. I think where the, the federal government does have a role is providing the tools and the resources that provinces need uh, to address these issues. And it was interesting today to hear the prime minister say, we need to use every tool in our toolbox. Well, that's great, but you have to ensure that Canadians and the provinces have access to those tools, have access to rapid testing, have access to home-based testing, have access to a clear strategy on vaccine distribution. Uh, countries around the world have been uh, proven that rapid testing is a safe, uh, science-based uh, alternative to quarantines, for example, to give us a, a clear pathway to economic recovery and certainly uh, to have to protect this, the health and safety of Canadians. But the, the federal government has been very slow in, in accessing and distributing rapid testing. We have several companies in Canada that have developed rapid tests that have been approved and are being used in countries around the world, but not here in Canada. Uh, and for the uh, deputy prime minister, who is also heads Canada's COVID response team to say, that uh, comparing access to rapid testing to selling snake oil to Canadians when Canadians are losing their jobs, they're losing their businesses, losing loved ones, uh, and, and certainly our mental health and opioid addictions are at a crisis level. They are looking for um, solutions and to have this, again, this this lack of transparency and these lack of details and, and certainly stepping up in terms of expediting approval processes for some of these this technology that is being used in countries around the world, I think is very frustrating for Canadians. Okay, Don Davies, I want to ask you the question that really a lot of people are asking and the Prime Minister put it to people as well. When we see these figures and when we've learned over the last nine months that public health is about what the public does as much as anything else, where are we in terms of the public's confidence and the public's uh, compliance and the public's cooperation because this Christmas season or this holiday season is going to be all about what you and I do. So where are we in terms of governments, the federal government and people's trust and, and compliance? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, you know, I'm in British Columbia here. I can tell you that our our, uh, our NDP government in British Columbia has done, an, uh, you know, I think an exceptional job uh, in maintaining the public's trust. Um, and I think that's uh, one of the reasons why we're doing a little bit better than other provinces. But uh, this government here has also been very proactive and it's also been very transparent in, in its information. And they've also been uh, bold, I think, in some of the, the moves they've taken. Um, you know, I, I agree with, with, with Arif that right now the main message is, is we really have to have every Canadian take the public health advice that they're getting across this country very, very seriously. Right now we have a transmission rate above one. Um, our national positivity rate is over 6%. We're on track at, at this level to have over 20,000 cases per day by the end of this year if we don't get this under control. So 
but I think it also uh, takes federal leadership. Uh, you know, as John said, the PHAC and the federal government has been incredibly slow, almost across the board, slow to suggest mask wearing, slow to acknowledge um, community transmission, even recently slow, very slow to acknowledge aerosol transmission, which the WHO acknowledged in the summer. We just had that up on our PHAC website a week ago. Uh, this is the kind of, of tepid response, lack of transparency, and slow response from the federal government that I think can jeopardize that very important public confidence that's needed. Uh, finally, what I would just say is we need a strong assurance from the federal government that Canadians will be taken care of because Canadians have to be supported. If we want them to follow this public health advice, they've got to be able to stay home. They've got to be economically supported uh, at this time. And I think a strong message uh, from the Prime Minister in this regard is needed at this point in time to keep that confidence and have people conform to the public health advice they're getting. Okay, um, Arif Arani, John Barlow, and Don Davies, I want to thank you. And all three of you, being the public servants you are, I want to uh, congratulate you and, and hopefully you will be taking the same message to your constituents in, uh, in uh, this collective job we all have. I want to thank you. Thanks for taking the time. Thank Thanks, you. Martin. Thanks, you guys. Thank you. Good to see you both. Thank you. After Manitoba, B.C., Alberta and Saskatchewan this week all announced heightened public health measures, on Friday it was Ontario's turn to clamp down as Premier Doug Ford announced heightened restrictions in the Toronto and Peel regions. Last week, our modelling showed that if nothing was done, we could face 6,000 new daily cases in the coming weeks, overwhelming our ICUs shortly after that. More deaths, more losses, but we can avoid this if we take further action now. So after extensive consultation with the Chief Medical Officer of Health in the Public Health Measures Table, effective Monday, November 23rd at 12.01 a.m., Toronto and Peel will be moved into lockdown. The new federal data suggesting a worst-case scenario of up to 60,000 new cases of coronavirus a day by the end of the year had Prime Minister Trudeau making an appeal to Canadians to do their part to support frontline health care workers. They're tired. They have been heroes. They have been going above and beyond anything they might have thought they were signing up for. We need to help them. We need to give them a break. We need to stop this spike in cases. We need to think about them as we think about our loved ones who need medical help, who are vulnerable to COVID-19, as we think about the damage this is doing to families and to communities across the country. We need to step up now, all of us. Well, to look at the latest on the pandemic and the politics of trying to contain it, I'm joined now from Ottawa by Christy Kirkup. She is a national affairs writer with the Globe and Mail. And joining us from Winnipeg is Negan Sinclair. He is a professor and a columnist with the Winnipeg Free Press. Both of you, thanks for taking the time. Great. Bonjour. Hello. Thanks for having us. Let's, um, let's start with, I mean, obviously this was a momentous moment. We saw the Prime Minister returning to the steps of uh, Rideau Cottage uh, with a strong message to Canadians. Uh, we saw the, the, the figures which came out today, the uh, modelling or the data, the suggestions of, of what the rates are going to, could be looking like. What do you make of it? Uh, start with you, Christy. 
You know, I think that the image of the Prime Minister being outside of Rideau Cottage is um, perhaps uh, taking us back uh, to how we felt in the spring when we saw the Prime Minister emerging from his house every single day uh, to do those news conferences. I even felt myself, um, you know, kind of going back to that state in my mind of, okay, this is this is serious. And I think that was the message, and intentionally so, from the Prime Minister that, of course, uh, with the modelling numbers that are out today, that the situation... Uh, of course, differs in different parts of the country, but that it is increasingly dire. And he's really urging Canadians to stay home if they are able to stay home to, again, limit their social interactions, uh, their contacts. Um, and uh, he kept talking about tightening up um, and uh, stressing that it's going to be a really challenging winter ahead um, and that, uh, you know, people are going to have to take this seriously, especially ahead of Christmas. But I think what stood out to me, Martin, is he wasn't really proposing anything new. In fact, he made it very clear that he doesn't want to drop, as he describes it, uh, a federal hammer, specifically mm -hmm. referring to um, calls perhaps to look at uh, federal legislation called the Emergencies Act or restricting um, travel between provinces. He's not looking to do that, he says, um, right now. And so he didn't announce anything specific in terms of getting things under control nationally. It was, again, the prime minister delivering that key mm -hmm. message stay home just like I am right now outside of my, my house. Yeah, another, in a way, another entreaty or another, another plea in a way. Um, Nigan, what do, you, what, did you, what do you take from what we saw today? Yeah, well, I agree completely that it's a, uh, it's a hark back to what the early stages of the pandemic looks like. And so it's intentional in that it's what, what it's meant to look like is what, uh, and the Prime Minister used that language, uh, let's go back to uh, the way in which things happened before. But he also made a real differentiation today in speaking about how during the early stages of the pandemic, it was often framed as an economy versus health issue. And what happened today is he's really trying to remind Canadians, explain to Canadians, articulate to Canadians that this is not an economy versus health issue. In fact, they are deeply intertwined as the two of them so that if we are going to take care of the economy, one must get the sickness under control. And that's really, I think, what involves some of the minor announcements over the past 24 hours uh, that the mm -hmm. uh, em employment benefits will continue. Uh, there'll be further expansions for businesses with they've already got rent subsidies, but now we'll be getting support for keeping their employees on staff. So there there's going to be a number of announcements coming forward. However, the prime minister has also made it clear to the provinces because the provinces have acted so differently. Uh, some might call it haphazardly, particularly here in Manitoba. Uh, the 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 the, uh, the prime minister, excuse me, um, and the uh, premiers have really come at odds, and we've seen that in recent weeks. Uh, Doug Ford, for example, calling the federal government uh, in this talk of Emergency Measures Act, of referring to them, we don't want a nanny government, and so there's this kind of ongoing struggle, I think, between the premiers and the prime minister, and we saw a little bit of it today. The prime minister trying to give a macro announcement to get this thing under control. Okay, I want to ask uh, while we have you there in in Manitoba, because the last time we spoke, I remember you sort of stressed the fact that Manitoba had started out as one of the lowest rates of infection in the country and for much of the summer. But then what we see now is Manitoba per capita in terms of hospitalizations, in terms of active cases and in terms of deaths way ahead of the rest of the country, if you want to put it that way. Uh, a very dire situation. Um, is there anything in Manitoba that you think the rest of Canada should be watching for, learning from or avoiding? Well, when you're describing a dire situation, it, it really 
you're not overemphasizing that in terms of on the ground here in Manitoba, we've just declared major lockdown restrictions to the point where uh, yesterday the province announced that you are not allowed to go to have people outside of your home. You're allowed one friend. Uh, you're also allowed uh, only to have caregivers or people who are uh, essential services uh, involved with your uh, interactions, everyday interactions. I mean, uh, in just in Manitoba, Steinbach, uh, which is one of the small towns, uh, cities just south of Winnipeg, they're getting a 40% po test positivity rate. That is absolutely insane uh, because what it, you know, most places like, for instance, the hardest hit places in the United States are looking at 10 to 15 percent. Manitoba is somewhere in there, 12, 13, 14 percent mm -hmm. test positivity rate. But in, in a small town of Manitoba, we're getting 40 percent test positivity rate. And what, what the real problem has been is that the Manitoba government opened up too soon, too aggressively and did very much fall into that argument of we're trying to save the economy here and if the health goes by the wayside, then we're going to let that go for a while and they just let it go and go and go. Uh, the casinos were open, for example, till uh, late last month. And the fact is that because the provincial government did not act in the ways that healthcare providers were asking them to act, now we have an exponential explosion and we're leading in many ways North America uh, in test positivity yeah. right here in Manitoba. I want to, I, I, I do the conversions to an equivalency of Ontario and, and today, for example, or yesterday, Manitoba, if it had Ontario's population, would have registered 4,000 cases, active cases. Um, Christy, I want to ask you, reflect on the country wide or the other aspect obviously is the reaction here in Ottawa. We saw for example the Conservatives coming out very strongly criticizing very very critical uh, tone uh, from the, the briefing that they were given in advance last night. Uh, weigh in on, on either of those. Yeah so um, the opposition leaders uh, were briefed on the modeling numbers that were released today and specifically Aaron O'Toole um, has been very critical of the government specifically on a few fronts including um, suggesting that uh, you know the the federal government hasn't presented a plan yet in terms of a, a vaccine and I think that this is increasingly of course going to be a, a huge part of the discussion as we see a couple of manufacturers coming out recently talking about um, how they believe that you know that the vaccines that they've manufactured um, will indeed be effective. Um, no vaccine has been approved in Canada, of course, uh, by Health Canada, which will be a requirement in order for Canadians uh, to begin receiving these vaccines. But the Conservatives specifically wanting again some specifics. I, I would say on that though that you know when you're talking about um, inoculating some uh, 37 million people in the country um, and you're dealing with an unprecedented situation like this and also having to do things like keeping vaccines at a, uh, um, you know, really cool temperature um, in order to ensure, um, you know, that, that the vaccines are indeed viable. These are enormous logistical challenges, which, again, are the conversations, the subject of conversations that are playing out um, with officials right now. I think, you know, no one more than the federal government um, wants a vaccine to be rolled out um, as, uh, you know, of course, I, I think um, it, public health officials have made it clear that a vaccine is not going to be, as Dr. Tam would describe it, a, a silver bullet. It's not going to be that. The 
physical distancing, the hand washing, the mask wearing, this is, you know, these measures are going to be with us for some time. Um, but again, opposition parties um, wanting uh, things like at-home tests um, and, and demanding mm -hmm. why, um, you know, the, those tests have not been rolled out. And, and of course, the government saying, um, you know, we, we have to follow the science. It's okay. science over politics. I want to get briefly from you, 30 seconds each. Uh, where do we go from here? Obviously, the prime minister and all political leaders and all public leaders are saying this really is up to us. This is up to the public. Any thoughts? Well, this is a public messaging issue, uh, particularly, and that's why we saw the Prime Minister come, come out today so uh, aggressively, sort of ominously. Uh, put it this way, if the cases continue and if we grow to 6,000 cases a day, as the projections show in December, we'll be looking at 5% of the entire country infected with COVID-19. That is daunting, that is scary, and if the public can't get that message, uh, certainly there's got to be something that steps in from provincial or federal governments in order to mm -hmm. make the public understand. And Christy, as we head into the holiday season, some people have described it as a nightmare for public health authorities. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I'll, I'll just mention the Prime Minister does keep referring to Christmas and saying, you know, we're a few weeks out from Christmas, suggesting, of course, that, you know, um, Christmases that we've had in the past, um, you know, won't won't be on the table this year. But, you know, I, I think that increasingly so, I, I'll just put it out there. Um, my family talked months ago about not having a Christmas dinner. That's, again, that is most certainly not on the table for us. Um, and yet, somehow, politicians don't want to come out and be seen as the Grinch saying, you know, they're saying, oh, we have a few more weeks and we'll see. And maybe if we can get these cases down, you know, I think as Nigan laid, laid it out, laid to bear, you know, these are incredibly serious numbers. And to suggest that somehow things are somehow going to change by the time that December 25th rolls around, again, I am a journalist just looking at the facts, and I think that public health officials are making it clear that that is um, going to increasingly yeah. less, you know, not be possible. And so whether it's Halloween or Christmas or future holidays, until we have a vaccine um, and when we're looking at specifically indoor gatherings, um, we're, we're looking at, um, you know, yeah. really following the public health advice to try and get this under control. I think we all are thinking the same thing. I want to thank both of you for taking your time. Thanks for speaking with us. Miigwech. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's it for this edition of Primetime Politics. I'm Martin Stringer. On behalf of all of us here at CPAC, have a great weekend.